attractive for young players. Now, to answer your question, yeah, this entire rookie class last year, there were still ones that produced, right? I mean, Justin Jefferson was fantastic, for example. Um, But not many teams drafted a quarterback with the intention of bringing him along slowly or him being a project. Without a doubt, Jordan Love, of all the quarterbacks that were drafted early last year, was the biggest project. That was a universal opinion. That's why his wasted year was such a problem because not only did he not get an off season, a quarterback school, all that stuff, he got a truncated training camp, no preseason games, and then he was the third quarterback on the depth chart. So you had to get Tim Boyle ready for in case Aaron Rodgers got hurt in the game. So he just did not get enough work. Now they've elevated him to number two. Not sure how confident they would be if they, you know, Aaron Rodgers leaves the opener like he did in 2018 for a period and that injury against the Bears, but they've got to get him the work. And if they don't have an offseason in-person program, I just don't think that that helps him or really any young player, but it hurts a player like him even more. And so to me, the compromise is if you're on your rookie contract, you do the OTAs in person, you come to Green Bay or whatever city you play in, and if you want these veterans to try and get something that they want, then they can stay away. But it, frankly, if I was Jordan Love, I would not be in favor of what the NFLPA is doing. I'd be saying, look, I need to get my work. I love to have time off, but I'm going to be the starting quarterback of the Green Bay Packers someday, supposedly. I need to get out there, and I need to get this time in with my coaches uh, on the field. And they're not adding preseason games, Jason. They're only taking them away. Right. It'll be down to two in a few years. You're right. You're exactly right. Very interesting stuff. Jason, enjoy the rest of your Sunday, be it a Masters Sunday or a Masters Less Sunday. Appreciate talking to you, friend. Uh, Mulchy Sunday for some, but not me. All right, guys. Take care. Be good. You do the same. Jason Wilde, coming up next, hour number two of Sunday Karma, the 7 at 11. We also have a game for Eric that I just conjured up in my own head. It's very exciting. It's after this. It's Sunday Karma. It's Sunday Karma with Craig Karmazin on ESPN Wisconsin and WisconsinOnDemand.com. Aside from a house or a car specifically, what is the most expensive thing you own? Wendy? A car. Name an animal with three letters in its name. Alligator. Name something that's better than being rich. Four. Besides a bird, something in a birdcage. Hamster. Something that comes with a summer storm. Snow. Something Russia is famous for, Bob. Russians. Something a burglar would not want to see when he breaks into a house. Rob. Nucky Grandma. Reason you might stay indoors on a beautiful day. Because it's raining. Name something you might buy that could turn out to be phony. Yeah, a horse. Name a time that most people get up. In the morning. A time most people go to bed. At night. This is the 7 at 11 on Sunday Karma with Craig Karmazin. Number two of Sunday Karma, Greg Matzik and Eric Name in for Craig and Harper. 
still unconfirmed. We're not sure if Craig is at the final round of the Masters. Still have to see him just like walking across. <laughs> like, wait, wait a minute. Is he eating that egg salad sandwich? Craig? Like, you can't text him because there are no phones allowed on the property, so we have really no way of getting a hold of him. It's going to be a real Seinfeld situation where uh, George is eating the Sunday yeah. at, at the U.S. Open, <laughs> and it's just going to be Craig crushing All an egg salad over sandwich. his face. So in the spirit of Craig Carmazin not being here, we will do our best to get through the 7 at 11. Now, do I need a caller right away? So I've, I've got what I want to do. I would say get people ready. Give them get the Get people number. set up. All right, Masters trivia is where we're going with today's 7 at 11. So hop on the line here. I do have a question. We'll throw it out in a moment. We'll test Eric Name's knowledge of Masters trivia, and you will have to fill in the blank. So 800-990-3776. 800-990-3776 if you'd like to play the 7 at 11. Eric, are you ready? Uh, obviously not. No. But very good. That's why we'll do it. Great. Uh, this should yield some intelligent and exciting answers, I really believe. Masters history. A champion will be crowned today at Augusta National. Hideki Matsuyama begins the day with a nice, what, five-stroke lead? He is in contention. Four-stroke lead entering the final day. No Asian-born player has ever won the Masters. There's a little hint as we go through the 7 at 11. Can you name, beginning with 2021, the event that started and concluded in November, just a short five months ago, the last seven Masters champions? (laughs) So 2021, 2019, 2018, 17, 16, 15. You got it? You see what we're doing here? I do. The last seven Masters champions. Um, Not in order. In my head, I was like... Although if you can do that, I'd really be impressed. Well, I can assure you I cannot do that. Uh, Let's go Tiger Woods. He won one, I think. Tiger Woods is on the list. 2019, the return to glory for Tiger Woods. Oh, man. Um, I'm just trying to think of, like, golfers that I know. And I did Dustin Johnson win one? He won the most recently completed Masters in November. You are two for two. He had a score of, uh, what, 20 under? And I guarantee the folks at Augusta did not like that. <laughs> no. no. They uh, don't want it to be that easy. No, you, do, you don't want it. Um, You've man. got two of the seven correct. Tiger Woods and Dustin Johnson. And just for any, like, I'm not going to run this category, so 800-990-3776 if you want to call in on this one, because... You'll have to tap in the four-footer. Yeah. Um, I know Bernard Longer was, like, in it, but I don't think he won one, so I'm not going to go there. Uh, what about, like, is Justin Rose a person? Is that a person? Uh, he, <laughs> uh, it is a person. It's not to be confused with a uh, song by Seal from the 1990s. Justin Rose is a person. However, he was not a recent Masters champion. I don't believe he's ever won the Masters. He's won majors. He has never won the Masters. He was in the lead after round one and round two at seven under par, and he's just sort of hovered. There's a picture of Justin Rose on your television screen right now. I mean, the reason he must have been in my head was because he was part of, you know, my nap. Like, I think he was in the lead when I took my nap on Friday. Yeah, sort of a subliminal placement so of his it, name. It was right just now. osmosis into my brain as I was napping that yes. Justin Rose might have won a Masters at some point. So Dustin Johnson, Tiger Woods. Eric Name got two-sevenths of the way there. There are still five names on the board here as we on the Seven Eleven are trying to identify the most recent Masters winners. Seven years going strong. We've got Mike in Madison joining us on Sunday Karma. Hi, Mike. 
hi, boys. Uh, how about Bubba Watson? Bubba Watson is correct. 2014. So that would be, I guess, uh, in effect, year one of this seven-year period that we're talking about. Um, Patrick Reed. That is also correct. 2018 champion Patrick Reed, who I believe wore his green jacket to a NBA basketball game the following week. I mean, why not? Yeah. If, you, if you get the green jacket, like it, that should be that a part of your wardrobe. Right, <laughs> I wear it all the time. Off. Um, Sergio won one not too long ago. He did. Another polarizing figure in golf, Sergio Garcia, the 2017 Masters champion. So we have, by my count, two names left on the list, the 2015 and 2016 winners. Um... Spieth was 2015. He's in contention again today. Um, and I th- think the last one is a guy who I believe is currently in prison, Angel Cabrera. Some call him Angel. Others call him Angel. Angel Cabrera won in 2009. So that ah. is an incorrect answer. Mike, you did a lot of the heavy lifting. Much better than me. But we need someone to tap in the short four-foot putt here. Mike, thank you for playing 7 at 11 on Sunday Karma. We have Chef Ed lined up on line two. That is correct. Hello, Chef Ed. How's it going, Craig? Yes, just a heads up. Gabe did the same thing on Thursday. Um, Jen, Gabe, and Chewy did the exact same list. That's so. just like him. Well, then, ever, <laughs> then, then whoever listened has a very distinct advantage. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say Danny Willett. That is correct. The one final name, very off the radar here, Danny Willett. He hasn't <laughs> won since, I don't believe, uh, any tournament for that matter. The 2016 champion, Eric, that piqued your interest. Was that, is he like English? Yes. And I've, does, did he have like a brother? There was something with a brother, wasn't there? His brother was along, or I don't remember. But uh, it, it, the name made me think. Uh, never one of those subliminal 2016 Masters naps. Yeah. You heard the story, but don't remember it? Yeah, I don't remember it at okay. all. But Danny Will, good for him. All right, Chef Ed, you've tapped in the four-foot putt. Congratulations. You are our 7 at 11 winner. Hang on the line here, Max. We'll get uh, your info. We've got something very delightful for you, a prize pack to send, an ESPN Wisconsin prize pack of some sort. I think it involves a T-shirt. I think it does. Okay, uh, we should. Thanks pack a lot, guys. Uh, yeah, thank you. We should package in this uh, bottle of Zima as part of the prize pack. I don't think you can chip that. No, <laughs> I think I think you could. I don't know why it's so like yellow. It's old. The bottle. <laughs> that is true. It was a re-release, a limited edition re-release. Didn't last terribly long. 7 at 11 uh, is in the books. We have a Masters Sunday here. We are continuing to take your thoughts on the bucket list sporting event. Where do you have to go? Every time I watch the Masters, I think, my gosh, i got to find a way to get there. 800-990-3776 if you'd like to join us. 800-990-3776. We've got a game for Eric coming up next, and a key deadline is passed in the NBA. What does it mean for the Bucks? Plenty to get to here on Sunday Karma. Back in at Sunday Karma, Greg Matzik and Eric name with you until 12 o'clock. Final round of the Masters today with Hideki Matsuyama in the lead. The Brewers take on the Cardinals looking for a series win. Bucks basketball tonight from Orlando. Uh, yes, another road trip for the Bucks. Maybe only Brooke Lopez is happy to be taking that trip to Orlando. I don't even know who's going to play tonight. 
Uh, we'll dive into more about a key deadline in the NBA that has passed. What does it mean for the Bucks? We'll hit that up in our next segment. Uh, this was not on our show sheet, uh, but in the spirit of part of our earlier discussion, talking about bucket list sporting events, uh, Eric sort of piqued my attention here with uh, more of an arena bucket list than an event bucket list. It's more about the arena and being in the atmosphere, right? Mm-hmm. Event marketing at its best. Forget about the opponents. <laughs> the, the arena. I want to be in the arena. Right. And he mentioned Hinkle Fieldhouse, the Palestra. I don't know what the, uh, what the pit out in New Mexico. Yep. Uh, a rocking basketball arena. Absolutely. So let's have a little arena fun with our good friend Eric Name. Time to play a game that I've yet to... Uh, find an appropriate title for, but Max, fire the music here. What do we got? Pause was for dramatic effect. Mm -hmm. Uh, All right, Eric, uh, we are going to go. There really is no right or wrong answer here. I'm legitimately terrified. I don't know what's going to happen. You haven't told me anything about this, so it's going to be great. That's the best part of radio. I I don't really know that there's a right or wrong answer. It's, It's like if I asked you, what's your favorite flavor of jelly? What would you say? Strawberry. Okay, well, the correct answer is grape, so I guess you did get that one wrong. Uh, okay, we will dive in. It's it's arena, not trivia, but arena musings from our sure. good friend Eric Name of ESPN Wisconsin and, of course, of The Athletic. You've been to many arena in your time, Eric. What is your favorite arena? Ooh. I'm going to go with the Rose Garden, now known as Moda Center in Portland. That is, in my mind and estimation, a perfect basketball arena. It was not made for anything else. It was not made for the acoustics. It was not made to make sure that there was enough suites. It was not made for anything other than this is a basketball arena. And here is where basketball is played, which makes the sight lines perfect, which makes, you know, a bigger, lower bowl. It, I just love it there. And again, maybe that has something to do with the seats, the me- like the media seats there are not on the court, which is what I think a lot of media people would say, like, that's the perfect seat. I want to be on the court. You're like midway up the, the first level, dead center, center court. And you just get to watch the game. And I love it. Like it is and Portland fans are all about basketball. Like there's there's no distractions, right? Like and I mean they love they love the what what's their MLS team? The the Timber and they have the NWSL team, the Thorns. Like soccer's great, but like that's a basketball town. So the Rose Garden, now known as Moda Center, and that is that—that that is the show, right? That is That's the it. show out there, right? I don't, I don't know how many. If you want to drive up to watch a Seahawks game, there you go to get your NFL fix. But uh, NBA front and center, certainly in Portland. What is your least favorite arena? Least favorite arena. Um, I don't love the United Center as a basketball venue. It's a, it's huge. But like, as a huge arena, it doesn't feel like a great place to actually watch basketball. Like, so for example, Scotiabank Arena, Toronto, huge arena, great place to watch basketball. United Center, no, like it's too spread out. Like the three level thing messes with you a little bit. It's a hockey arena that you're playing basketball in. I don't like the United Center. Most media friendly arena. Now this is all-encompassing. It involves your seat, 
It involves meals. It involves post-game availability to players and maybe ice cream or beer. So, honestly, now I'm rethinking the biases behind my initial answer. Because <laughs> it's still Portland. Well, because at the Moda Center, they have, and this is the most Portland thing in the history of of anything, is they have a keg full of craft beer. It's like a different local beer every every game that you're in. I mean, maybe it's not changing. I'm sure they get to the bottom of one keg and then they change it out for a different one. Sure. But every year, it's a different craft beer, and you can finish your story and there's a bartender that just hangs out at the keg for the media members and he's there for a couple hours after the game you finish up your story get a nice heavy pour and you you have a great uh, you have a great craft beer so that that would be a good one i also enjoy um oklahoma city it's very easy you're on you sit on the floor food's good you hang out in like the locker room area because it was like not it wasn't an NBA arena originally. It was just like the arena. So everything's very close. So Oklahoma City, that's a, that's another one that would be up there. Loudest arena you've ever been in. Hmm. And it could be a single event. And we don't necessarily know, I guess, the answer of is yeah. it always this way? I mean, Scotia Bank for game, let's see, that would have been game six where the Bucks end up losing in the Eastern... That's the loudest I've ever heard. When, and again, sorry Bucks fans, this is... If if you can't relive this, like, please, you know, just turn off, turn down the radio for about 10 seconds. But when Kawhi Leonard on the fast break gets it with his left hand, Kyle Lowry gives Giannis a little bit of a bump, and then Kawhi Leonard dunks with his left hand is the absolute loudest I've ever heard in arena. And that capped, uh, I don't even know what it was, like 24-2 to run or something like that, uh, and essentially won them won them the game. Like, it was over at that point. That's the loudest I've ever heard in arena. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Um, my first trip to Toronto, I was very excited for. The second trip to Toronto, I was not as excited for. It just felt like it was slipping away. I had, I had, a, great, like, I had uh, a great time after game three. Like, you know, yes. they, they lose in overtime the next day. I went to a Blue Jays game. Like I, I obviously got my work done, but like once I was done, I was like, I'm going to go to a Blue Jays game. It was great. Um, but no, game game six was was not the same way. No, I really, and it, the the noise level continued into the streets mm. as I was walking back to my hotel room. Um, I mean, it was it was wild. It was loud, but like. There was nothing like scary, violent, or no. you know what I mean. It was just like this is a party, and it's midnight, and so it's much not honking, ending. so many cars honking, so many people yelling, people hanging out of cars. It was wild. It was an absolutely wild scene. And I mean, like my hotel was, I think four blocks away. Like that four block walk was like whoa, it's crazy. For those who follow Eric on Twitter, you know him from the uh, NBA Road Eats franchise that we hope comes back including milwaukee which nba city has the best road eats uh toronto really that's interesting i love toronto um i i I tell this story often um but there so the other year it's middle of a polar vortex it's negative 20 in toronto and i 
in, in my hotel in downtown Toronto. And again, like Toronto is huge. And people don't think about it because it's a Canadian city instead of an American city, but it is massive. And I sat down, I had I had a live chat that I needed to do at 2 p.m. I get done with shoot around, I get back to my hotel and I'm like, I need some food. And I literally did the classic, all right, here's Google Maps, open it up, hit the restaurants button to see what's around. And in a one block radius, literally a square around my hotel, there was 14 different restaurants that I could go to. And I would say eight different cuisines. And I was just like, great, I'm gonna go to this burrito place. And I had a, I had a great burrito, <laughs> it was wonderful. and it, But it was just like, anything you could want is in Toronto and all of the restaurants are great. Totaling up the scores here, Eric, you got, uh, you got everything right. Uh, you nailed it. Yes. You did very well. Knew it. Name your arena. Name your arena city, Eric. Name of the Athletic and ESPN Wisconsin. Well, we hope we're all back on the road with the Bucks next season, or maybe even during the playoffs. Uh, I want to continue the Bucks conversation coming up on the other side. A key deadline is passed in the NBA. What does it mean for the Bucks, who still have an open roster spot available on their squad? We'll discuss after this as Sunday Karma continues on ESPN Wisconsin. Later tonight from Orlando, it's the Bucks and Magic. Make sure to hang out for Bucks Talk following the game. Justin Garcia and me will break down uh, what we presume to be a Bucks win after a victory over a terrible Magic team. But uh, who is on the floor tonight, I guess, is uh, anybody's guess. The Bucks were missing their entire starting five in that loss to the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, a couple of nights ago. So it's really a continuation of a 10-game road trip here for the Bucks in Orlando tonight against the Magic. So a, a key deadline is passed here in the NBA, Eric, and I, I feel like it, it flew under the radar. So I, the trade deadline happens, and the, the misconception in the NBA is that player acquisition is over when the trade deadline passes. Not exactly the case. And, and in the last several years, I, I never really remember it being as big of a thing as, as it is today, but the buyout market has become a thing. Um, you can find a back end of his career, overpaid, <laughs> former superstar, add them to your second squad, and all of a sudden you've, you've got an intriguing piece to a potential championship-winning team. The Bucks have been involved in the buyout market in the last few years, and most recently the addition of Jeff Teague to join the team. There's still a roster spot available, but the deadline that has passed is a couple of nights ago. The clock struck 11 o'clock, and at that point, players who were still rostered by NBA teams could no longer participate in the playoffs if they were released following that particular date and time. Correct. So, for example, the Otto Porters of the world. Yes. Wayne Ellingtons of the world. Guys who you thought, maybe that would be a really nice piece here for the Milwaukee Bucks. Still could be for a little stretch run, but they would no longer be playoff eligible. Correct. So the list of players... Oh, just wait. While we're here, to be very clear, if that player was released before that time or a free agent before that time, the Bucks could still sign them for literally the rest of the season and they'd be playoff eligible. But this is, as you said, players that have not... Like, if you get released after this deadline... 
the Bucks can then not pick them up. And that's an important clarification because I've had people, you know, be like, well, what about Austin Rivers? Like, can the Bucks still sign him? Yes. Like, as long right. as so you... He is looking for work. He is not rostered. Correct. Like, Otto Porter is rostered. Correct. So, so just to be very clear, because it can be a bit confusing, right? Like, there's a couple different moving parts and contracts, etc. I just want to make that clear because I've had multiple people ask for the clarification. So to be clear... That is the rule. So uh, we aim to please here on Sunday Karma, so we like breaking this kind of stuff down for you. What does it mean here for the Milwaukee Bucks? We have seen uh, the Nets get a little fatter. We've seen the Lakers get a little fatter. It's an interesting system, and the NBA is going to look at this. The rich get richer, essentially, in the buyout market, and it it somewhat mutes the activity at the trade deadline uh, we have come to find. Andre Drummond, that could have been a trade piece, but right. in today's world of buyout market, no, nah, wait, just wait. Only a very small handful of teams would be in on Drummond. Let's just ride it out. We don't need him to win, but, hey, he might help. So the Lakers can wait on that, and he can sort of pick and choose where he wants to go. Uh, Jeff Teague and the Bucks. that makes a lot of sense for a variety of reasons, and so far, so good with Jeff Teague in a Bucks uniform. There's still a roster spot available for the Bucks. Will they fill it? So they can fill it in in the way that their salary cap is constructed. Um, earlier in the year, they had to go with 14 on the roster uh, with two two-way spots, so 16 total, because they didn't have enough room underneath the, the luxury tax that they were going to have to start paying the luxury tax if they filled the roster spot. Uh, so that was obviously a concern for the Bucks, something that you would not want to do. Um, but they have room now, so they can fill it up. They can grab that one more player if they would want to. Um, I think they will f- fill it. I, I think where it, gets, where it gets interesting is trying to figure out exactly what that play is because, you know, our, our guy at The Athletic, Sham Sharanya, had, had reported that, you know, Austin Rivers was someone that, you know, the Bucks might be interested in. This might be a perfect pairing. You know, they're looking for a backup point guard. This could work. Uh, and then the Bucks got Jeff Teague, which, again, makes a lot of sense. Former player under Bud, his only all-star appearance happened uh, with Mike Boonholzer when they were in Atlanta together. So he's working out, right? Like, that's the backup point guard spot. So then if you're Austin Rivers, the opportunity you might have had on a contender probably isn't there, right? Like, Jeff Teague has taken that spot, but also you're not an NBA roster. Maybe it's worth taking a chance anyways. Maybe it's worth getting into a, a competition for what's probably like the 10th spot in the Bucks rotation, uh, but also maybe P.J. Tucker's calf injury lingers. And that spot that we thought was going to be in the top nine doesn't actually uh, get filled by P.J. Tucker, and there's another spot. So, so maybe it is a guy like Austin Rivers. I'm curious if we'll see a more speculative play where it's someone that's younger or someone on the wing that might not make any sense this year, like might not even be a rotation piece this year, and someone that you just want to be able to get into your system and, and maybe hope for something good for next season. Um, I, it's it's going to be really interesting to watch because I do think they'll fill it. I just don't really think there's a spot left in the rotation, and that's that's really where I think it gets tough because if you're a veteran – and you've been bought out, your goal is to go somewhere, play for a playoff team, show that you are worthy, and get yourself another contract. It's tough in Milwaukee. Like It's it's tough to do that now that they've brought in Jeff Teague for pretty much the only spot they had left in the rotation. So I, I always view from the team perspective, 
the buyout market is insurance. Right. More than anything. You know, the, the, the first thought is, well, Austin Rivers comes to the team. Wh- whose minutes are, mm-hmm. who's he going to take? He's not going to play instead of Dante or Pat. Right. Right. So whose minutes will that player take? And the answer is unclear today. A week from now, it might be crystal clear. Sure. Right. So that's where it becomes really interesting. I, I, it's, it's, it's a better than average insurance policy is kind of how I look at it. Teague is a little different, I think, because there was just a, a void after the trade of DJ Augustine. They didn't have a backup point guard. They didn't, right. they didn't have a true point guard really on the roster, um, unless you want to consider a rookie Sam Merrill. Right. Uh, Drew is a little bit more of an off-ball guard, but he can and will play point, and he's going to get 40 minutes come playoff time. So even Jeff Teague's minutes will be limited. But I, I just view it like you're, you're protecting yourself against something that could happen down the road. And depth is critical to get to the playoffs, tighter rotation in the playoffs, but you also don't want to have a drop-off in case there is an injury. And and I think in my head, there was there was like this slight possibility where, uh, you know, like Marc Gasol was not happy in L.A. They, they decided to go get Drummond, and then they said, Drummond, you're the man now at center. You're taking all the minutes. And Marc Gasol was like, wasn't that me? Was it? Wasn't those? Are, aren't those supposed to be my minutes? Uh, I'm supposed to be that guy, and now I'm not that guy. It looks like they're gonna work it out, but in my head, it was like for a little while. In my head, I was like, "Huh, Marcus Saul. It's pretty good. Brooke Lopez insurance. Pretty good insurance to go against a guy like I don't know Joel Embiid. If you have to play the Philadelphia 76ers sure. in the playoffs, uh, so I think." Now that the the deadline is passed, like you'll see the bucks really kind of narrow down. But uh, to me, the idea was you probably want to keep that spot open all the way until the ninth, just to figure out like maybe someone you're not expecting gets bought out. Maybe it happens. I don't. I don't think we really have like a huge surprise. But I think you're thinking like, oh, as you mentioned before, Otto Porter Jr. maybe gets bought out. He's not happy in Orlando. It's a big contract, twenty five plus million. So. He probably wants every penny of it. Can't say that I blame him. If you're going to be a legend somewhere, be a legend at the bank. Uh, so good for him. I think they kind of kept it open. Now we'll see them kind of narrow down and figure out exactly what it is they want insurance at. Like, where do you want insurance and, and how do you want to try to get yourself ready for a postseason run? Who has the biggest ceiling of the Bucks rookies? And that includes the one that was undrafted. Wow. Um, I mean, it might be, it might be Mamadi Diakite. Isn't that amazing? Like before you dive into your answer, like I look at him and say, "How how is this guy not drafted?" Right, seven right. foot plus wingspan can jump out of the gym, defensive minded player who can also knock down a three. Like it just, how does that go undrafted? I just don't get it. Yeah, it's tough, and and I'm I'm really curious with him. The question is, can he be big and strong enough? to survive in the NBA because you mentioned the seven plus foot wingspan, but also he's like six, nine in, uh, I would guess like two twenty. little tweener. Like, yeah. it, it's tough. And you know, if you talk to people around the league, the name that comes up is Chris Boucher, who plays for the Raptors, kind of that same tweener size. He's really found himself a nice role where now he's starting to hit some threes. Uh, the Raptors go small with him sometimes at center, and then they do a lot of aggressive trapping. And like, it's kind of gadgety a, a little bit where you're just like, oh, let's throw out this weird lineup, and Chris Boucher works perfectly in it. Maybe the Bucks can figure something out like that with the Akite. 
Because if you look at the athleticism, uh, you look at his defensive instincts, like all of that plays. Like it, it, it just works, right? Uh, but it is okay, can this guy actually find a role? Because you do see the cool blocks. You do see, you know, some of the Euro step athleticism and transition. But then also, if you watch Diakite play a lot, you see centers just bumping him underneath the rim and grabbing three rebounds in a possession. And it's like, oh, that's, yep, that's the problem. It's, like, it's almost like he'd have to be a three slash four right. to try and adapt to that. And then be quick enough to handle it off the dribble. Right. So so he's he's got some things to figure out. But, I mean, there's things that really play there. And I think it's both Wara and Merrill are interesting because I think, for me, if you're looking at second rounders, you try to find one elite thing and then hope that you can build a competent player around it. Uh, so a lot of times you'll see guys that are super athletic, can't do anything else, right? They can't shoot, they can't whatever. And you're just trying to figure out like, all right, can we get them to dribble enough? Or can we get them to shoot enough that we can play them? And I think Merrill and War are both interesting because you drafted an elite skill. War can shoot it. Merrill can shoot it. You're sure of those two things, but then they both have question marks on pretty much everything else. Like Merrill, you mentioned, is he a point guard? Is he not? Uh, you know, his first appearance of the year, he tried to bring the ball up the floor, and it looked like, I mean, he was in way over his head. That was against the Heat early in the season, and he just couldn't do it. So, okay, maybe he's not a point guard. All right, can he be a shooting guard? Can he survive defensively? You look at Wara. He's 6'7" played power forward in in college at Louisville. He's not a power forward. He's going to have to be a three. So is he quick enough? Can he defend enough? What are his instincts like? You know, the other night I was asking him about it, and he was like, I played pack line defense at Louisville. Um, it's very different <laughs> from, yeah. from what we're trying to do in the NBA. Like, that's just not going to play. So essentially, they, they found an elite skill in shooting, and now they're trying to build everything else around. So they're all interesting, uh, all, in my mind, good speculative plays, but there's a lot of development for those guys. And, and it's tough on a really good team. There's not a ton of reps. Gruber Law Offices, one call, that's all. You've heard it before, right? Gruber Law Offices, a top Wisconsin personal injury law firm. If you've been injured, they are the people to call. Great people at Gruber Law Offices. In fact, we're broadcasting from the Gruber Law Offices, one call, that's all studio. Great in the community, great people as well. If you're injured, if you have a question, good people to call. Gruber Law Offices, 414-276-6666. That's 414-276-6666. 66 Gruber Law Offices. One call. That's all. Coming up next, we'll wrap up Sunday Karma by making our Palermo's Picks of the Week. It's after this on ESPN Wisconsin. Well, Craig will not be making his Picks of the Week. We'll be doing it for him. Greg Matzik, Eric Name, wrapping up Sunday Karma. Bucks fans, a reminder, Palermo's Pizza and the Bucks have teamed up for an exclusive offer. It's just for you. Pretty cool stuff here. Bango's Jersey Collection. With every specially marked Palermo's Neighborhood Pizzeria Pizza you purchase, you will also receive a limited edition Bango collectible figurine sporting one of five past and present Bucks jerseys. All you got to do is buy Palermo's Neighborhood Pizzeria You'll be eating good and get a great prize. Redeem your box codes online. Collect them all. Supplies are limited. Head off to your local Wisconsin grocery store, wherever you like to buy Palermo's Pizza, wherever you like to shop. 
There you go. You are in. It's Palermo's Pizza and the Milwaukee Bucks. We will start there with the Milwaukee Bucks, our picks of the week, heading into a very underappreciated sports day. Sunday at the Masters, Brewers baseball, Bucks basketball from Orlando. Eric, we begin with you as the Bucks begin yet another road trip. I so I think I'm going to make two picks today. I'm just going to up the ante. Okay. I'm going to I'm going to go de- degree of difficulty much harder than it needs to be, but that's okay. No one's going to hold me accountable because I won't be here next week. Um, so I'll go with the Bucks winning. Not a bold pick. Not in any way. Right? The Magic aren't very good. Again, it's a weird road trip, and we don't know who will play. We'll find out here in another 30 minutes. But for now, Bucks over the Orlando Magic. I will multiply that with the Milwaukee Brewers scoring five runs. I'm not going to tell you whether or not they win or lose, but they will score at least five runs today. Something they've done just twice this entire season. Greg, I'm scared uh, because <laughs> the bats are... this. I've never said this, and I don't think my entire... No, never in my life. I've never said this. I'm worried the Brewers aren't going to score enough runs this season. That's not something I've ever said. It's always the pitching isn't good enough. I'm not worried about the pitching. Burns and Woodruff, both Cy Young contenders this year. Like Their stuff is unhittable. They're great. I don't know if the Brewers are going to score enough runs, and that's scary, so I'm going to go with a bold pick today. Brewers score at least five runs. Will they win? I don't know. But they're going to score at least five runs. I feel like that's their magic number. It, it may be four, four and a half, five. Like, if they can be there, they're going to win a lot of games. For sure. Their pitching is good enough. Now, there's some mm, some rough spots in that bullpen that uh, we could talk about at some point. Very good up front. Very good on the back end. Innings six and seven is where I get a little nervous with yeah. the Brewers' bullpen. Yeah, there's there's some things in there. But, you know, you throw it as relief pitching works. You just throw enough arms at the wall and... One of them tends to stick. Okay, like, it'll it'll work. Like Devin Williams kind of came out of nowhere and became a great relief pitcher. You just get a bunch of guys that throw hard. Maybe something works. Uh, it's kind of like your theory in basketball, right? Second round draft pick. Just find something you can build around. Right. Find absolutely. something. A guy who throws ninety eight. Yeah, you can build around that. Sure. Might need another pitch or two, but we can build around that. Right. Uh, and the Brewers definitely have some hard throwers, no doubt. Uh, I think the Brewers will end up winning this series against the St. Louis Cardinals. Then it's back home to take on the Cubs. I, they, they have played Central Division opponents for going on like a year and a half here. <laughs> At some point, they're going to get out of playing a Central Division opponent, be it NL or AL Central. It's all they played last year. Right. Uh, I think the Padres series coming up in April will be the first opportunity against a non-Central Division opponent. I believe the Brewers will win the series. I like your idea of five runs. Yeah. Uh, I have, uh, let me take a quick analysis of the lineup here, because it seems like an an individual star is helping the Brewers to victory on the offensive end, right? It's never this collection of, you know, (laughs) six guys had two hits. Just one guy for one day. Right. So who is going to be the guy today with uh, Jace Peterson in the lineup? Guess it wouldn't be my first thought. I'll say Daniel Vogelback goes yard. Ooh, big Dan Vogelback. He is playing first base. Castaneda has the day off. Colton Wong is on the 10-day injured list. That's why Jace Peterson is playing second. I'll say Daniel Vogelback carries the Brewers' offense to a I win like today with his first home run of the season. I will also say, final winning score of the Masters, I'm going to say is 14-under. 
Woo! Hideki Matsuyama is at 11 right now. Trailing him are a, tr- a cluster of players who are at 7. I say 14 under wins the Masters today. I hope someone has a big day and chases him down. Yeah, you'd love like, like, that like a 64 to just like crush yeah. it and right. get ahead and I don't maybe a playoff. Maybe even a playoff. I, I will accept it. that. I would love it. Eric's going to have his day up until Bucks basketball set at Gabe Neitzel's house. <laughs> Careful over there. Enjoy your day. Watching the Masters, listening to the Brewers, watching the Brewers, enjoying the Bucks basketball. Great sports day here. This has been Sunday Karma on ESPN Wisconsin.